Crossing family, are you excited to be at church today? Man, it's good to be with you. I love you so stinking much. I want to welcome you joining from all of our different locations, those of you who are part of our online family and those who are part of the Crossing Inside. I also just want to welcome all of you who are joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time. And I want to let you know, we're glad you're here. And if at any point in time during the service you'd like to get connected, take a next step, learn more, there's a QR code on the seat in front of you. And we'd love to take that opportunity to connect. Before we get into all of the festivities of today, there's a couple things I at least want to make you aware of. First thing is, summer camp sign-ups are officially open. We are incredibly excited about that. Because here at The Crossing, we will develop leaders who honor God and inspire people. And in turn, they will change the world. And every kid needs time away with, uh, to grow and develop in their walk with Jesus Christ. Crowd participation, you guys know how to do this. Ready? How many of you would say that the greatest decision you ever made was making Jesus your Lord and Savior? Yeah, me too. That's exactly right. And hands down, how many of you would say that your biggest regret is that you didn't make that decision sooner? Yeah, so now you know the importance of camp. We want to make sure we give our kids an opportunity to get the love of Jesus in their heart as soon as humanly possible. The second thing I want to make sure that you are aware of is that camp scholarships are open here at The Crossing. We will gladly give up the things we love for a future generation we love even more. And there are some of you who have the capacity and the desire to help other kids go to camp. Some of you can give $20, some of you $50, some of you could pay for a kid just to go to camp. Others of you might be in a position where you could send one kid to all seven of our weeks of camp. Whatever you, your participation looks like, I want to give you an opportunity to dig today so that other people can drink tomorrow. Here's what I can promise you. Before this night is over, Jennifer and I will sign both of our boys up to go to camp, and we will start setting aside money so that way we can send one kid to all seven of the camps that we are going to be offering this year as a, as a church, and I would like to invite you to join with me in that mission. The final thing I want you to know is next weekend, Jerry and I are going to be starting a new sermon series called Reclaim. Reclaim, restoring what was lost and fixing what is broken. He's going to be preaching a couple of them. I'm going to be preaching a couple of them. And we believe that every single person wants a better life, a better family, and better relationships. And there are things that have uh, been lost and broken along the way. But here at The Crossing, we don't believe they have to stay that way. So when I want to encourage you, invite a friend, invite a neighbor, be here for all seven of those weeks as we try to help our families become more God-honoring and better in the process. But the real reason why you're all here today, and some of you didn't hear a word I've said, because you keep seeing this, and you're going, Clayton, is that a replica? Nope, this is a real Super Bowl championship ring. And is it on your pinky? Yeah, it is on my pinky finger, because I'm just that big. But this weekend, we have a special guest with us. He played 10 years in the NFL, is a Super Bowl champion. He was also called the fittest man in the NFL. We have so much in common. He is a father of six and serious about his walk with the Lord. Would you please give a crossing welcome to the stage, my man, Steve Weatherford. We're having so much fun. Uh, I love you, man. This is so great. This is so great. Um, I don't have a Wikipedia page, but if it did, it would say that I beat Steve in a 5K. Because yesterday, that's exactly what I did. Now, out of fairness, I was a mile ahead of him before he started. <laughs> And he walked. 
<laughs> but I walked faster, uh, okay, and I, I won. So I beat, I'm not going to let this go. I you, just need you to know that. You, you hang on to that. Yeah, that's, that's my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you your uh, ring back. <laughs> I feel dirty now. <laughs> we're we're going we're go, we're to sit right there. But I'm so honored. Thank you for that introduction. I'm so honored to be, look at this place. It's packed. Uh, man, I'm so honored to be here. Quincy, Quincy, Illinois, I've been here for three days. I've gotten a chance to go uh, work out with Sam Dancing. I've gone to several of the restaurants around here. I've gotten to build some relationship with some of your staff. It has been such a joy and such an honor. Um, I even missed my 16th wedding anniversary uh, to be here with you. And I say that to say I'd love to show you a picture of my family and, and what I said no to so I could be here with you because that's how important you are to me. This is my family. Uh, pastor said I have six kids. Thank you. Um, and I actually have ties to this church. I went to the University of Illinois and I met my wife when I was on my recruiting trip to play football there. And her older sister, Shanna, uh, actually goes to the Macomb campus. So this is, this is home to me, you know. So thank you for having me. And these are the rest of my kids. My, I have two sons and I have four daughters. Uh, my son is Ace. He's 15 years old. He's about to drive and I can't believe it. Um, and then my daughters are 13, 10, 7, and 4, and their names are Carney, Aurora, Golden, and Josie. And then my son that I'm holding was born almost two years ago. And, um, and my wife, if you combine all of the weights of our children, my wife has had 9 pounds, 9 pounds, 2, 9 pounds, 10, 10 pounds, 5, 11, and my son was 12 pounds and 3 ounces. <laughs> Did you hear all the ladies gasp? I'm so proud of my wife. She is like a pro at multiplying children, you know. So uh, I, I know that she's watching at home. So she gave birth to a toddler. I know. <laughs> that's, so, babe, that's, I love you. You can walk. Thank you for giving me all those babies. Thank you for loving me and knowing that what I'm doing right now is, is just as important as being a father and a husband. So thank you for trusting me. And thank you, Pastor, for trusting me and allowing me to come. Because you and I haven't known each other for very long, we're, we're beginning a really great relationship. Yep. But thank you for trusting me and building such an amazing, amazing audience, and then allowing me to to share some some things of my journey uh, that have to do with identity, that have to do with purpose, that have to do with burdens that we all carry around. But ultimately, um, I believe it's becoming more clear why I'm supposed to be here. It's to challenge each and every one of you in a loving but in a firm way. It's time for us to go pro. Yep. There's a difference between an amateur and a pro, and I'm not saying that because I have a Super Bowl ring and a trophy. I'm saying that because there were areas of my life, and especially with God, I was, I was such a rookie, or I didn't even show up for the game. So I really just wanted to put that out there that I'm so happy to be here, but I feel like I'm a part of this family because my family's a part of your family. Yep. And my roots were in Illinois, so I know that there's a reason that I'm supposed to be here, and I'm not at home watching the Super Bowl with my family. I'm going to be on a plane, and I'm making that sacrifice because I believe that what I have to share with you can shift things in your life. So I just need everybody to pause right now, and I need them to repeat after me. I'm going to make shift happen. One, two, oh. three. I'm going to make shift happen. Yeah, you were very, you yeah, were very <laughs> the I, pastor I was very careful with that act. Yeah. But that's what I believe can happen inside of this church and inside of every single location is shift can happen, but there's going to have to be a few things that you need to decide 
but I can't wait to get into our conversation. Yep. Well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, before all the glitz, before all the glamour, before you're on the cover of the magazines or winning Super Bowl rings, there was a six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven-year-old Steve. And he was navigating all kinds of uh, hardships, all kinds of realities, all kinds of trauma that uh, most of these people wouldn't get from the Wikipedia page. Mm. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I feel like those are the formative years. You know, like, I feel like that's looking back on it and learning more now. From, like, two years to eight years are the most formative years. That's the years when we decide who we are. Uh, we decide what we deserve. We decide where we belong. Um, and so my parents are amazing parents. Like they, they took me to church and we had Sunday school and, you know, I went to a, a decent school in a decent area, but every place that I went in my family, I had two brothers, I had a sister in my family in Sunday school and also in elementary school. I felt like an alien. I felt like I just didn't fit in. I felt like a renegade. I felt like a lost boy. I felt like a weirdo. And the reason being is one of those reasons is I have ADHD. So you know, I'm one of those guys, like, very rare will you find a child that gets kicked out of Sunday school. <laughs> Pastors giving a microphone yeah. to somebody like that. But I got kicked out of Sunday school almost every single weekend, and it wasn't like I was trying to be bad. I just, I had ants in my pants. Um, and so I remember going to kindergarten the first five days in a row. It was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana where they could paddle you without calling your parents. And I remember getting freaking worn out five days in a row. Um, and we could all kind of laugh about it now because I'm a Super Bowl champion. And from what you know, like I'm, I'm living in full freedom with Jesus Christ so we can laugh about it. But man, when I was five and six years old, I began hating myself because everywhere that I went, I felt like I was making a problem and I was ruining it for everyone else. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that, but I, I couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Around eight or nine years old, I discovered that God had, had blessed me with something through this ADHD with athleticism. And I would play these sports, and it didn't matter if it was basketball or track, if it was the first time that I tried the sport. It came natural to me because of my abundance of energy, but also my split second making decisions. And I remember the first time a, another man of authority like really gave me words of affirmation because I love my dad and I honor my dad, but he grew up with a father that didn't like pat him on the back and say, Steve, you're such a good boy and you yeah. tried and I'm proud of you. You know, he was more of a disciplinarian. I have a great relationship with my dad and we've, we've healed those father wounds, um, but my dad was doing his best. Hmm. Um, my dad coached all of my team, so it wasn't like he wasn't around, but I remember when this, when this other parent came up to me after a game, he's like, my goodness. He's like, you are unbelievable. He said, you're so talented. When we played this team last year, they blew us out. And this year, we beat them by three goals. And it's because you're on the team. I remember getting in the car and just feeling like I was seven feet tall. And it was at that moment that I decided when I win, I'm valuable. And so I went all in on sports at like eight years old because it was the only place where I felt celebrated. And so as I say those words, I don't know if that connects with you in a certain place in your life or a certain place during your story of there was a place where you, you felt valuable. And so when I found it, I went all in on sports because I, I felt like if I could win, I could be valuable because I desperately wanted people to tell me who I was because my identity everywhere that I went, I didn't feel like I fit in with anybody else. But when people told me that I was great and that I was special and that I was number one, boy, that, that made me feel um, 
really, really good. So that, I feel like, sets an accurate context yep. for, like, what kind of little boy I was up until about 10 years old. But if I can share, like, when yeah. things, when my relationship with Jesus began was at 11 years old. Um, and it was a church kind of similar to this, a, a bigger church, and I was invited by a friend. Has anybody ever seen the power team? Yeah, there's a couple of hands that have raised up. So for those of you that don't know what the power team is, just imagine WWF wrestlers kind of like they look like me, but maybe even bigger with tank tops on, on a stage like this, breaking bricks, bending bars, busting handcuffs, and they're doing the strength concert, but they're doing it as a ministry, and I had never seen anything like that. I grew up in a church where people wore khakis and they tucked their, their shirts in and, and they didn't drive Cadillacs and how dare you for wanting to have a big house. And so I had these big dreams and I felt like I didn't fit in in a church. But at 11 years old, pastor, I saw a possibility and it was then that I gave my life to Jesus and I felt like finally I fit in. And I had like six months of fitting in and then the most traumatic thing of my life happened really where I feel like the enemy really tried to take me out. And there's a scripture um, in Romans 12 too, that says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Well, this is when the world really tried to conform me. I had a mm. teacher um, and I didn't really realize it in the moment, but he was grooming me. Every day he would tell me how special I was. Mm. Every day he would tell me how good my work was and I would get like a B plus and he was just showering me with these words of affirmation that I wasn't getting other places. So I, I began to trust this guy and after a few, few weeks and months of that, he did things to me that nobody should ever do to a little boy and it left me with questions mm. of, and it was at a Christian school. And it mm. left me with questions of like, if God is real, how could he let something like this happen to me? And then I'm left with the ultimate question of like, does this make me bad and, and am I gay? But I didn't have anybody to ask those questions to. Hmm. But the only thing that I knew that could make those feelings go away was winning. And so I'm gonna zoom through probably a lot of my life. High school, I played four sports. I was four sport, all state. Um, and then I was introduced to um, under, underage drinking drugs, sex, and so anything that would make like the trauma or the pain go away of like me being so dirty or broken or unlovable by mm. God just pushed me further into athletics, earning a scholarship, going to the pros, and I always thought to myself, man, once I get to this place, like I'm gonna feel better. Once I get to the pros, right? Kind of like I challenge all of you all. Like some of us, before we walked in here, think that like once we get to an area of life, we get to this amount of money, we get into this house, or we marry this woman, or we fix this thing, then it, we're gonna have peace. Mm. But, but ultimately, going pro isn't taking responsibility for everything. Going pro is actually releasing things, receiving things, and committing to things. Mm. But I didn't know that. I went pro in sports, and so that just drove me to have the, all of these different goals, and really my life, reminds me of the story of a ronin so i really love japanese culture and discipline and and having legacy and one of the things i i read about that i really connected with but not in a way that inspired me in a way that really convicted me that my life was i was wasting it was mm. i read the story of the ronin and a ronin is somebody who has very special gifts and i feel like god has placed a special gift inside of each and every one of us but i used my special gifts for missions for me, 
So I'm 40 years old, and so for 35 years, hmm. I was on these different missions of earn a scholarship, go to the pros, make a million dollars, become a Super Bowl champion, become the fittest man in the NFL. One thing we didn't mention, I was the most philanthropic, voted the most philanthropic man in the NFL. Hmm. But all of those were born out of the insecurity of I need to do more because I'm not enough. Hmm. And so the Ronin takes his gifts and goes out and does and goes on all these missions for himself. So I was living a life on mission, but not on purpose. And so it wasn't until I really submitted to the sensei, to God, and really received everything that he had for me. Not half of it, not like, okay, I've received enough to go to heaven, but I'm going to carry the rest of these burdens on my own. Because you said earlier, or you, you told me earlier that a ronin is a, is a warrior. A masterless samurai. But he has no master. And how many of you, you are becoming disciplined in an area, but you haven't submitted that discipline to the lordship of Jesus? And so you can be going out and winning all these missions, but it has no ultimate purpose. Yeah. And that was like a big shift for you. And you, you were talking about as you were zooming forward, this is the thing that would be the hardest for us. We're looking at somebody in many respects was at the pinnacle of success. And this is actually a, a pretty interesting story about you. It's the Super Bowl. Mm. and uh, your, your team won. At halftime, you're going to get into that. You're being praised at an incredibly high level, mm. and so you're experiencing from the outside in the highest of highs, mm. but from the inside out, you're actually navigating one of the lowest of lows. Yeah, Walk us through that. I think that's the goal probably. You know, I, I got a chance to meet your dad uh, backstage, and he was sharing some wisdoms with me for my kids. Oh, my dad's a sensei. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a, well, I have notes on my yeah, phone. He's Miyagi. Like, he walked, yeah. he walked no, away, no, no. and I was like, yeah. please, nobody else ask me Super Bowl questions. I need favorite, to write this down. My dad's favorite parenting line when he was growing up with me is this. A father had two sons. And then he'd tell the ideal son, and then he'd describe me and go, which one do you think the father loved more? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Dad. He didn't, need a, he didn't need a hammer when you use wisdom that way. Yeah. It's kind of like when the dad says, I'm not mad at you. Disappointed. Disappointed. Oh, oh, oh how many of them got that? Super Bowl night. Yeah. You've, uh, you're... You're destroying the game. I mean, you're having yeah. the – we'll talk – you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so, so the Super Bowl – Super Bowl 46 was against the greatest football player that's ever lived, Tom Brady. I think we can all agree to that now. We can say boo, but here's the deal. Hardware is hardware, man. He's got, he's got seven of these. Me and Tom. You guys yeah. invited me because I have one. You know, the guy's the GOAT, right? So it's February 5th, 2012. It's 11 years ago. And it's 46 miles from my hometown. I have the greatest game of my life. To give you context, at halftime, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michael said, man, I don't think we've ever said this, but if we vote for a Super Bowl MVP at halftime, we give it to the punter, Steve Weatherford. So I say that giving That's glory great. to God because I performed well, but the ball bounced my way every single time. And, and the game gets over. The confetti's coming down. We defeated Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. And I remember pulling my son out of the stadium stairs and confetti is coming down I actually posted a picture of it on instagram yesterday i can't believe how big he is now like holding him would be really difficult now but ever, like all of all of the things that you you and i probably dreamed like i mentioned your dad because you probably threw the football with your dad in the backyard imagining you're catching a, a touchdown oh, in the super bowl at notre dame with, with touchdown jesus I, yeah I, I did too I mean, but I mean, I'm not telling the story of how I caught a touchdown, so I don't want to give you any misrepresentations, but I played in the game. 
And so here I am, everybody that I love, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my, my, my coaches, everybody that's close to me and everybody that's not at the game, they're, they're watching on TV, 124 million people and I had the greatest game of my life. And, and, and the confetti's coming down and everybody's telling me how amazing I am. Hmm. And then I remember when everything got over and I got to my hotel room at night and I walked in and my bed was made up and I remember hearing a noise as I walked up to, to the window and I looked down, it was just an ocean of people in all different NFL jerseys, taking pictures, taking shots, taking selfies, just making the most amazing memories. And here I am, I had the greatest game of my life and the biggest game of my life in front of millions, hundreds of, a hundred million plus people. And I remember looking down and seeing them be so happy. And I remember taking a deep breath in and before I could exhale it out, I just remember this wave of depression coming over me because I'm realizing that this was like the highest thing that I imagined would like make this thing in my chest go away, like get the elephant off, like fix that God-sized hole. And it was that moment right then that I knew that my numbers in the NFL were numbered because I knew if this didn't do it, there was nothing else that I could do, um, that I could achieve that would do it for me. And, and so from that moment, I played three more years in the NFL and retired much earlier than probably what I needed to, but it brought me to the moment of, of really searching for not another mission, but searching for a purpose. And I knew that I had a relationship, or I knew that I made a decision for Jesus when I was 11, but it was more of a, a like a, a decision of religion. And I don't know if you guys know the difference between religion or relationship, but I had a 1986 Cadillac Fleetwood Broham. It was my first car when I was 16. It was as long as this stage. It was, oh, I loved it. It was terrible gas mileage, but it was really roomy. All my buddies wanted to roll in it, but I remember, much like we all do, I made a mistake driving my first car. And I remember taking an illegal U-turn and hearing a crunch of the metal and then thinking to myself, I gotta call my dad, he's gonna freaking kill me. Because my dad was, if you make a mistake, you're gonna mm. pay the price. Yep. He's a disciplinarian, it doesn't make him a bad dad, but I knew what to expect. And I feel like that's, that's how I formed my relationship with God was my relationship with my father is like, man, when I make a mistake, I wanna hide it from my dad. That's religion, relationship with God is so much different and that's when everything changed for me. Because it's making the same mistake, making the same illegal U-turn that you know that you shouldn't do, but as soon as you hear the crunch in the metal, you think to yourself, I gotta call my dad because he's gonna know what to do. Yep. Now you take your problems, you're like, dad, dad, here's the porn that, that I started because I didn't know what else to do. Dad, here's the drugs that I started because I had so much pain, I needed the memories to go away. Dad, all of this winning that I did to try to earn it, I'm gonna give it to you too because I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired, Dad. That's relationship. And so for 36 years, I'm trying to earn something from God. When the whole time, God is just like, dude, you haven't, you haven't given it all to me because I want to do it all for you. There's been a price that was already paid for each and every one of us that are in this room right now. God put a uniqueness inside of you, and he wants you to go pro. He wants to pull it out of you, and he wants you to say, don't be committed to you. Be committed to me. Hmm. Let me be your sensei because I have everything that you need. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that God, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And I'm one of those people and I want every single one of us 
to be the type of person that said, God's talking about me when he said that. So I'll pause right there because I know that there's a few well, things. You, you, you teed it up, and I want to I get into it. You started your relationship with Jesus at, at 11. Then you went pro athletically, mm. but you didn't start going pro spiritually till much later. I feel like I can't sit down right now. Sorry, and, guys. Well, I want you to preach this. I want you to preach this. I want you to talk to them because you made this statement that it was really profound about the difference between amateurs and pros. Yeah. So talk to them about that. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's like my life mantra because for so many years I was led by my feelings. And your feelings are a liar. The difference between, and I'm going to say it two times, I want everybody to just hear my voice. The difference between an amateur and a pro is amateurs make decisions based upon their feelings. And pros make decisions based upon their commitments. Because I know that there's some days that like you, you, maybe you don't feel God. It doesn't mean that he's not there. And I feel like in order for us to go pro in life, it's going to require us to make a decision. And in about five minutes, we're going to come to a time of decision. And so if you would, I would love to read you a poem yeah. that I read every single morning. I have it printed out. And if you want to just message me on Instagram and I'll find a way to get it to you. But I, I print it out and I put it on my mirror and I read it every single morning. And it, it helps me to recalibrate who my sensei is and what my purpose is on this planet. So my mentor actually wrote this. His name is Keith Kraft. And the poem is called Choose Your Heart. Hmm. Because every single day is hard. Being your best is hard. Being normal is hard. Making wise decisions is hard. Making bad decisions is hard. Being in shape is hard. Being out of shape is hard. Losing weight is hard. Being fat is hard. Being disciplined is hard. Being lazy is hard. Getting outside of your comfort zone. Some of us are going to be called to do that today. I hope all of us are. Getting outside of your comfort zone is hard, but staying inside your comfort zone, how it always used to be, that's hard too. Come on. Starting a business is hard. Working for someone else is hard. Making a lot of money is hard. Making a little bit of money is hard. Being rich is hard. Being poor is hard. Having great relationships is hard. Having bad relationships is hard. Having friends is hard. Having no friends is hard. Hear me when I say this, guys. This is part of my testimony. I didn't get a chance to share today. Fighting for your marriage is hard. Hmm. Divorce is hard. Having a lot of things is hard. Having nothing is hard. Living on purpose is hard. Living off purpose is hard. Doing life God's way is hard. Doing life your own way is hard. Everything is hard. We have to choose our hard. So if I had like two minutes to speak to you before you went out for the game of your life on this Super Bowl Sunday, I would have three things for you to do. Just three things. I would ask you, and I'm gonna walk you through them quickly. I would ask for you to, to think about releasing some things, receiving some things, and committing to a thing. Because for me, I did so much of my life trying to earn it when God was just looking for me to lay something down. I feel like what God has for each and every one of us is so big, we need two hands to, to, to download it. And we're still stuck with hanging on to, to depression or anxiety or drugs or drinking or porn or just these different things. God wants us to lay those things down so we can receive everything that he has for us. So there's got to be a release. There's got to be, I'm going to say it again, there's got to be a release happening in order for you to receive everything that God has for you. Because I feel like God gives me a picture when I talk about receiving. 
I've seen this meme of this really cute, precious little girl. Looks like she's like six years old. It's a cartoon. And she's, she's hanging on to this teddy bear so tight because she loves it so much. And she's looking up at Jesus. And Jesus is standing here. And he's got his hand out. And he's like, teddy bear, just, just give me what you have. She doesn't realize it. And I didn't realize it for 36 years. God had a, a teddy bear bigger than I could ever ask, think, or imagine right behind his back. But in order for me to receive that, I needed to release something. So I'm believing on this morning, when we pray this prayer, when we make this decision, that it has staying power. Hmm. And the last thing that I'm gonna ask you to do is to commit. Don't commit to just Jesus being your savior because that's the JV team. I'm calling you up to the pros. God's calling you up to the pros. Jesus wants to be your Lord. He wants to walk alongside of you. He wants to empower you. He doesn't want to stop you from doing the things that are fun. Look at me. I'm not a football player. I'm a freedom fighter. I'm here to deliver a message to you to challenge you. So I've got 58 seconds to stir everybody up. But instead of me doing that, I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit to move in your heart. Yeah. Because the, the root word of decision means to cut off. And in John 10, 10, it says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Don't let him steal your identity. Don't let him kill your your ability to multiply. And don't let him destroy your legacy. It's time to make a decision. Yeah. And when we get ready to make that decision here in a second, yeah. You guys, you're gonna, we're doing a bonus round real quick because I wanna I wanna hit one more thing that you said uh, Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, You're asking people to receive something from God, you're asking people to make commitments to God. But we talked about a stat that had an impact on both of us Mm. about what happens when the men in the home get serious and decide to go pro in their faith, Mm. what kind of impact that has on the family, Mm. and what kind of impact that has generationally. Mm. Now, we're already going along, but let's make make that count before we we sign off. Yeah, this is the last challenge. I read this stat two weeks ago, and I, I shared it with Pastor. He's like, I'm a pastor. I knew that eight years ago. <laughs> That's not how <laughs> but I'm going to share with you guys. He didn't say that, but he did know that much before I did. And this challenge is to the men. I want every single person to make a decision this morning, but I'm speaking to the men because when the men come, come forward, there's a statistic that says there's a 93% chance that your wife and your children will follow you into the house of God and let God move on them the way that God moves on them. If the woman comes forward, there's a 17% chance that his husband and his kids are gonna follow him. And if a child comes forward, there's a 3% chance that the husband and the wife are going to follow him. If we want to change Quincy, Illinois, if we wanna change Illinois, if we wanna change America, it starts with the men. And so for the challenge, when when we have this time of decision, I want to see the men, the first people up here. I want to see them sprinting to the front to to, to assume their place. 
as the prophet, the priest, the king, and the warrior of their home. Not just the provider, not just the, the, the strong man, the spiritual leader in their home. Because there's a 93% chance that God will move on your family as well. It's time to make a decision. Let's do it. We're moving to time of decision. Great job. There you have it. We have a play call. They just threw it out to us. So for those of you in this room or those of you still watching online, man, I need to talk to just one group of people real quick. It's that person who has not fully committed to stepping over that line and making Jesus their personal Lord, but also their Savior. You've, you've not just gone all in on that decision. You've been holding back something. You haven't fully released uh, all the areas of your heart to Jesus. And I know that there's still inside of there, you're just like, man, that's, he's talking to me. I know that I, I'm still living for myself. I know that I'm still living on my own strength and my own power. And, but for some reason, there's still things in your head saying, I just don't think it's for me. Uh, you're disqualifying yourself. You, you're probably going back to a moment in your childhood. A lot of us probably experienced before where you're in a PE class. And you can name whatever sport that you're at in PE class, but you're, you're lined up. And there's two people who are the captains, and they're picking the teams, and you're just like, there's no way they're going to pick me. And the reason we say that is because we start disqualifying ourselves right away. We start saying, I'm not fast enough. I can't, I can't kick the ball high or far enough. And you start disqualifying yourself, and that is what happens inside of a relationship with God. That you're just like, there's no way he wants me. I'm not good enough. I know what I did yesterday. I know what I did this morning. I know what I did in the car on the way to church today. I know how I talk to my wife or I know how I talk to my husband. I know how I, how I treat my kids. I know how I talk to my boss or how I talk about my boss behind his back. Fill in the blank. You start disqualifying yourself. And for those of you in this room, listen. If you've not stepped into that because you've done that, I want you to hear this truth. That Jesus is for you. And he went to the cross for you. And he paid the debt of your sin on your behalf. And he looks at you. Every single one of you. He, he looks you in the eye and he says, you are mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my child. And today what I want to tell you is this, it's time to get in the game. It's time to accept that he's picked you and that you can say, Jesus, I give you everything. I believe that you saved me and I want to start believing that you are my Lord in all areas of my life. And for those of you, you've never stepped into that. You've never started that relationship with Jesus in just a little bit. There's going to be an opportunity for you to do just that. There's going to be someone up by the baptistry. One of our pastors will be here at 48th Street. And you may be like, I have questions. I don't know what that means. What do I do next? Do I get in the waters of baptism? Do I start making that declaration today? And the answer is yes. You move today. And I can tell you this. Tonight, most likely, there will be a touchdown. There will for sure be a turnover. There will be some type of celebration in, in your home, in the stadium, all across the world. There are going to be cheers. 
But when someone, when one person, a sinner who says, I'm going to repent, I'm going to turn to Jesus, I'm going to give my life, and I'm going to be in the waters of baptism, and they go under and they come out of that water, there will be a celebration in this room today that will be much louder than any stadium. And if we're not loud enough, the heavens will be rejoicing and they will be declaring how good uh, that is because of what Jesus has done for us. And so in just a little bit, I invite you to do that. For all of us in the room, listen, there's, for, for those of you who are Christians, you, you made that decision for Jesus. You remember that moment. There might have been something you carried into this room that you haven't released yet. You haven't given full authority to Jesus. You're just like, man, I've been dragging this thing around, and it's been weighing me down, and I I keep carrying it in church. I keep carrying it out of church. I keep carrying it in my car. I keep carrying it in my house. I keep taking it everywhere I go, and, and quite frankly, it's exhausting. Today might be that day where you just say, Lord, I am going to release that to you, and I'm ready to receive what you have for me today. And one of the best ways to do that is just to come up to these steps right here at this campus and to commit, Lord, here's the things that's holding me back. Here's the things that is holding me from what you have for me, holding me from my purpose that you have given me. And you can just come to these steps, get on your knees and just say, Lord, I'm committing them to you. I'm committing my full allegiance to you. I want you to have every area of my heart. But also as I look in this room, And as I think about that person who's watching online, every single one of you have a story. Those of you who have called on the name of Jesus, he has rescued you. You remember where you were before Jesus, and you can think about where you are now. You have a story. Steve has a story, and he shared it with you, and it it brings a lot of like, Man, just like, oh, that was awesome. That's cool. But listen, you have a powerful story. I have a, a powerful story. Maybe God wants to tell you today. Today's the day you use your story to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in and through you. And that might encourage them this week. And so wherever you're at, church, what I love about this moment, and Steve set us up, men, women, wherever you're at, we have an obligation to move and to respond, and to, to just move closer to what he's calling us to do. And I think this moment's right here, and I think it's right now. Would you guys stand with me? Let's, let's pray together. Let's go this time of decision. Let's get right with the Lord. Let's let some things release, and let's receive what he has for us, and let's commit that we're going to just draw closer to him in this moment. Heavenly Father, God, I give you thanks and praise for this weekend. I give you thanks and praise for you, Jesus, for the way that you... You love us. You look at us and you call us yours. God, I pray that in this moment as as, as a body of believers are in here, I pray, God, that we just ask you to search our hearts. You allow us to spend these moments with you on our knees and we can just say, where do I go? And just start releasing some things in these moments. God, I pray for that person. I pray for that, that group of people who... They're just trying to do it on their own. I pray today's the day. They let go of some of those things. They release it and they receive you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that in this moment that it's just abundantly clear that the Spirit of God, you are talking directly to that person and they respond. God, help us move closer to you. Help us respond in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.